0: Hello and welcome to Everything in Between, the podcast where a dad and daughter duo delve deep into topics ranging from true crime to paranormal occurrences to urban legends and, well, everything in between. I'm Emma. I'm the dad. That's a niche. Um, and it's episode 85, another little mini milestone.
1: <laughs> I was trying to remember. I, I kept forgetting because I was trying to. But yeah, no, that's, that's pretty good.
0: <laughs> it's a lot of episodes um yeah we're just sort of chilling it's got a nice like rainy vibe outside right now so we're just trying to stay warm because you know someone's a little hesitant to have the heat on you know (laughs) it's may yeah well it's cold may it's cold though okay anyway um so i finished watching hollywood started and finished (laughs) in like a couple days uh And, I don't know, I was kind of disappointed. Like, I liked it, but I feel like they were trying to shove wokeness down my throat, like, at all times. And I feel like there wasn't any character development. And while it was fun, because I really like old Hollywood and all of that, it was just disappointing.
1: Well, maybe they were, you're probably not the, you're probably much more... Uh, on top of all the stuff so maybe this was just their way of like hopefully getting to the masses so you know maybe
0: i don't know it felt like their pacing was all off too and they like just were at, in the last episode like the finale was so awful because they were just trying to wrap up every single loose end like in a nice little neat bow and it was <laughs> just so forced and i don't know upsetting
2: all yeah, right well
1: so
0: oh well it was worth. i feel like it was kind of worth it because like i don't know
1: um, you have nothing but time, so you can watch something else, too. Get yeah. that out of your head. Yeah. Something else. <laughs> it doesn't really
0: matter. I don't know. I heard they had a small budget, so I guess maybe that affected... I don't know. I don't know, but whatever. It was meh, mediocre. All right. Um, we watched, finally, Extraordinary. Yes. Which, I, did we mention it last week or something? We did. You know we 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 were, yeah. yeah, we wanted to it. Yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So we finally watched that, and that was really good. It is good. It's that's funny
1: it's just fun the soundtrack's nice the, the acting is great and, i mean it's a, pretty much a small cast to begin with but uh the uh lead rose rose Dooley, right Dooley. yeah she's awesome <laughs> she's, she's hilarious just, she has a presence about her and then um anyway will forte was great as well and uh i can't remember his name that the other uh, some maybe something ward i can't remember if it's i it well the uh the male lead martin martin (laughs) was awesome too (laughs) but uh yeah no i I thought everybody the a good group of of characters i i didn't read into i should have because i said it was based on a true story so i want to know what yeah what what the story was what is it based on but uh but again i think it'll probably be on netflix in probably a month or something or (laughs) amazon so if you don't want to um if you don't want to uh Oh, sorry. Our, our oven is ready for uh, preheating for our pizzas. Oh we're, yay! We're doing some crazy 550 heat pizza. We I've, I tested out worked, but uh, we sorry we're sorry for the beeping, but whatever. But um, I, I I still think you should see it. If you if if you guys get a chance, if you want to wait before spending money, it'll be on one of those things soon enough.
0: It's definitely worth it though.
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah.
0: Uh, we also watched on Netflix uh, that movie, I believe it was called Chasing Coral. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was fun and informative. It was like well, a documentary.
1: fun, maybe not, but... Well, it was fun to see <laughs> how passionate they were. <laughs> it, yeah, was that's true. it was definitely educational, but morbid, about, and maybe it's not the best thing to watch while you're thinking, you know, you can't go outside and the world's going to end. And oh, yeah, that's true.
0: But it's about, like, coral bleaching and stuff, and, like, this this team of people trying to capture that event and taking photos and stuff, and... Definitely, you learn a lot.
1: I mean, the the subject matter of that aspect of the coral isn't incre- incredible, but I was just fascinated with the technology. Mm-hmm. I just thought, I mean, I don't want to give everything away, but they spend a whole lot of time on some really cool tech, and then things change. Yeah, um,
0: it's definitely interesting, though.
1: Yeah. And
0: I would recommend if you're not. If you bummed.
1: have, you'll find out. You'll see it during the movie. But it, the reason they called Chasing Coral because they got the folks to Chasing Ice mm-hmm. to do it. So there's a um, similarity in what the on how they how they actually want to approach the issue. So and Chasing Ice was great too. I think you saw Chasing Ice with me, didn't you? I don't know
0: if I did. Oh,
1: Chasing Ice is unbelievable. I mean, it's the same thing, but glaciers. <laughs> um, we
0: should watch um, Racing Extinction
1: feel like i saw that but i don't know why
0: i don't think you have because i told you about it before and you were like Ooh. is leonardo dicaprio
1: in it no No. Oh, okay all right you've
0: not seen this one okay um but we should watch it anyway that was fun and a little bit of a bummer uh and then we started watching well kind of separately
1: well definitely separately i haven't watched it with you
0: well i was kind of in the room when you were watching it before oh uh, okay uh but anyway hulu put on uh solar opposites which That's very funny.
1: It's funny. It is. It's, um, I think it, it, I mean, I know it's the same, or at least one of the creators from Rick and Morty. So there is definitely that Rick and Morty feel and the way the dialogue is and just the, the sarcasm. And so I, I like it. I do like it, but I don't know. I don't know if I, I, I didn't want to binge through the whole thing. So I went for the first four episodes. I mean, I'll watch the rest, but, um, I like Rick and Morty better so <laughs> That's, I think Rick and Morty is there it's funnier to me. This isn't as funny, but it's interesting. I I I will finish it.
0: Is um is the uh the kid the dude is that Adam Goldberg? Yes. Oh my gosh. Yes, yes, yes. I can not I can only envision him in the Goldbergs when I hear him talk. Um No, but it's it's funny. Um I'm one episode behind you, I think. So <laughs>
1: again, I, I, you should watch it, and if you're a Rick and Morty fan, you should watch it as well.
0: Yeah, uh, and then you watched a film without me. So yes, I did. Please take did. it away.
1: I just watch this movie called Bookshop with Emily Mortimer, and then I, I never know how to say the guy's name. Bill? Is it Nai? It's N I G H Y, or absolutely I don't know how you say. It, but I, he's I, I love him. He's just a great, great actor. But um, it's a it is a movie that you. It, the character development is is strong, and you you start to hate people heavily, and and then it ends. <laughs> I don't know how else to say it. I mean, it ends, and you're just like, what? <laughs> so, um, uh, it's not like there's a twist or anything. It's just that that's it, it's just one of those movies where you're like. I guess this is real life <laughs> so but it, i liked it. It, it it's i mean it's just about this woman who's a widower from i want to say world war ii and then she opens up a bookshop and there's just a bunch of rich elitist pricks all around that wanted that basically once she buys the the, the house mm-hmm. now they want to do something and make it like this arts center and something like that and then um Bill Nye's whatever his character is this kind of like a recluse on this hill, and, but he loves books so they have this correspondence um, where he's sending notes about books this and that, and then you know, and, and it's and he's much older than she is, so it's not like a love story between them, um, like the traditional love story. But yeah, it's the acting is well done, but uh, it's probably more with in tune with reality than you want it to be. And that just gets you angry. (laughs) Um, But there is one. Is that the last thing you had? Yeah. The other thing we started afterlife, the second season (gasps) of afterlife.
0: yeah, We watched like two episodes. Yeah. Like this is so sad. And if you had,
1: if you've seen, if you haven't seen it, you should. Um, I mean, it's, it's one of those things. It's, it's, it'll be oil and water for you either like Ricky Gervais or you don't. So if you do, you should see it. Um, And the season one was phenomenal. Again, they have a good group of actors. The season season two is sadder, and I didn't think it was supposed to be. But yeah, yeah so
0: we were like, we season were...
1: three already got picked up. He's doing a third season. He's doing a third season. I can't believe it. I I mean, he must care so much about because this really has to do with mental health, mm-hmm. and uh I think he really cares about uh, about it. So like
0: awareness and stuff. Yeah, that's yeah. really good. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Third season.
1: But if you have problem with language, if you have problems <laughs> with uh, with just cringe, if you have problems with uh, telling it like it is, but in a, not in a bullying way, just in a, I don't think it's, I don't, well, I mean, I guess, is that bullying? I don't know.
0: I, I mean, he's, he's kind of a he's little bit gruff. of a bully.
1: He's gruff, yeah. Yeah. But, it's funny. But the woman who kind of plays this, I don't know how to, She's what? His, his, uh, not a mentor, but his. I'm talking about. Guide.
0: The, the, uh. Widower.
1: The widower is who Yeah. Needs
0: it. Isn't she, um. She's from. Sherlock. Isn't she. Sh- isn't she, uh. Oh, oh, she's Mrs. Hudson?
1: No, she's, um. She's
0: not? Who do I. Who am She's I
1: from Doctor Who. I can't remember. Oh. She's Prime Minister from one of the. Yeah, Who's. Harriet Jones. And she's also from Downton Abbey. I she's. She's from Downton Abbey. Oh, well good for you um (laughs) what was i gonna say but she is kind of his guide in a way and i really like their conversations Mm -hmm. the the most she reminds me of the female tom wilkinson if you saw who he who he is uh the actor not not joe not joe no joe yeah but anyway so that was that that we've been watching that we'll catch up on it again watching depressing or sad shows yeah it's hard it's very hard yes (laughs) But um, but you got to see, one of the last thing I want to say, because I know, I know I don't want to make this too long, so quickly, um, the horror comedy. Oh, yeah.
0: <laughs> yes. Um, I had a movie night with my friends, and we watched uh, Tucker and Dale versus Evil. <laughs>
1: Highly recommend. <laughs> it was so funny. It's great. It's really... <laughs>
0: we watched it on Netflix, um, and it was... I feel like like we were doing Netflix Netflix party, so like it was a our chat in the side, and most of us, most of the texts were just us going, no, oh my
1: god, what the heck? <laughs> that's great. See, then you d- that's a good movie.
0: Oh, it was so good. It, we were laughing so much.
1: good. Good, I'm glad. But it, yeah, you I if you haven't seen it, it's just one, of, and you need if you can, um, have a drink if you're old enough. <laughs> If you're not old enough, I'm not saying one tea. thing. I'm not saying anything. Have some tea. Okay. Well, anyway. I'm so let's something. get into these stories <laughs> yes. and then uh, and I can cook some pizzas.
0: Yeah. All this right. time I have a solid true crime. Okay. I'm right. staying in that topic area this time.
1: Fair enough. All right. Let's hear it.
0: All right. Um, so, my sources. Um, I used Wikipedia. Film Daily, All That's Interesting, Murderpedia, Crime Museum, uh, Maclean's, and Thoughtco. So, you know, average sources. So today, I'm going to talk about a man who, quote, read the classic horror novel American Psycho like his Bible. Uh, and I'm going to be talking about his wife, who was very eager to aid him in his sadistic fantasies and encourage his behavior.
1: Is this your, this can't be your, is this, well, let's hear Is it. this my what? No, just go. I'm going to tell you who they are in the that's next That's what bullet. I want to hear. Let
0: me hear it. Okay. Well, known as <laughs> the canon Barbie killers, um, Paul Bernardo and Carla Homolka terrorized So this parts is a
1: shout out to our friend in Canada. Yes.
0: Okay. <laughs> um, terrorized parts of Canada abducting, torturing, and killing teenage girls.
1: You've been waiting to do this for ages. Oh,
0: yes. I was saving it for like, you know, a good... Depressing depres-
1: quarantine. <laughs>
2: yeah. Okay.
0: Um, but yeah, I'm very excited for this one. It's it's a wild ride. So uh, let's start with talking about Paul Bernardo. Uh, he was born on August 27th, 1964 in Ontario, Canada. Uh, so his parents, Kenneth and Marilyn, were not really like rich But they were described as a, quote, well-off, stable, middle-class family. So, you know, just pretty average folk. Um, In 1975, when Paul was 11, Kenneth, his father, was arrested and charged with child molestation. And rumors spread that he'd even molested his own daughter, which is gross. Um, despite this, Paul didn't really seem very affected. He just was carrying on as a child. Uh, and he was described as, quote, always happy, a young boy who smiled a lot.
1: Is his sister older? or you know, I can't Did you say? I did not say, right, and I summer. don't know. Okay.
0: Um, but when Paul turned 16, uh, Marilyn revealed to him, that's his mother, that Kenneth was not his real father. Uh, uh-huh. He was the product of an extramarital affair. Um, And this is what triggered a change in Paul's behavior. Uh, He started calling Marilyn a slob and a whore and just started being really nasty toward her, which is great. But
1: the father that he thought was his own, who was a pedophile, was okay.
0: Yeah. Hmm. That's, you know, sexism. We we love to see it. Anyway, uh, so Paul attended the University of Toronto uh, and while he was there, he started to pick up women at bars, uh, quote, only to later humiliate and beat them. Oh, boy. And he was, like, the reason that he, he they're called the Ken and Barbie killers are because they're, like, really attractive, I guess. They're, like, yep. a really good-looking couple. So Paul was very good-looking, and lots of women w- would want to go home with him, I guess. And that's how he just kept doing this upsetting. Uh, so... That would soon escalate, unfortunately. Uh, beginning in May of 1987, Paul would become responsible for a string of horrific rapes in the Ontario sub- suburb of Scarborough. Okay. So the first one happened around dawn um, on May 4th, 1987, uh, when a young woman was uh, getting off the bus and was grabbed by him as she, like I guess, was trying to walk home and she was attacked near her parents home
1: okay and was he what would he wear a mask or?
0: um i don't know but i i think it was maybe it was like dark or something but he wasn't identified all right um and then in that next week uh there were two more women who were assaulted in the same way uh-huh. um Ugh. yeah disgusting so these these women were all ages 15 to 21 and the attacks included, quote, beatings, intense verbal abuse, and dire threats to discourage victims from going to police. Okay. Um, and all these similarities in these attacks led authorities to believe that they were committed by the same man. Okay. Um, so they're
1: looking for a serial rapist now.
0: Yeah. So the newspapers quickly dubbed Paul, quote, the Scarborough Rapist. Mm-hmm. Um. So, Paul's crimes uh, continued for the next five years, um, during which time he raped or attempted to rape at least 19 women that we know of. Oh, my God. Yeah. Uh, So, all of the victims were young women, uh, most of which were taken from bus stops. Uh, And just one of the victims uh, was a 15-year-old girl who was attacked in her own bedroom, which is gross. I don't know what's going on with my voice right now, but... Bear with me. So, some of Paul's victims were able to fight him off. Uh, and he actually was questioned by police twice. Wow. But nothing came of it. He wasn't really considered a suspect or anything. So... Oh, my. Yeah. Um, in May of 1990, there's the first, like, accurate description of Paul was, like, given out. Okay. But he still wasn't, like, considered a suspect yet.
1: Huh. And the, they were all in the same... Same, were they in the same city? All in Scarborough still? or they uh,
0: Yeah, I think they were mostly concentrated in Scarborough. It might have been like... And he
1: lived there. He lived in... I know he lived he in
0: Ontario. In? I don't know exactly if he lived this there. This is crazy. Okay. Yeah, very crazy. But it gets worse, so, you know. Yuck. Um, so Carla Homolka, she was born on May 4th, 1970. Uh, and so she, her parents were Dorothy and Karel Homolka, and she was also born in Ontario. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was the eldest of three siblings and often described as, quote, well-adjusted, pretty, smart, and popular. Okay. Uh, she also seemed to be, like, similar to Paul growing up, just, like, some, seemingly nice like going, a sweet whatever, kid, yeah. like, happy, whatever. Um, clearly, that was not the case on the inside. Uh, but she was very fond of animals, uh, and so she started working at a vet clinic after high school.
1: Okay. So she didn't go to college. All right.
0: So Carla met Paul in 1987. Okay. uh, Which is when he started raping people. Yep. um, That we know of. Uh, When she was 17 and he was 23. And they met at a pet convention. So. Okay. (laughs) uh, The two were immediately attracted to each other. And Paul quickly discovered that they, quote, shared the same sick fantasies.
1: This is disgusting. All right.
0: Uh, they quickly began a sadomasochistic, I don't know if I'm saying that right, relationship, Yeah. Um, where Paul took on the sort of like abusive master role and Carla was yep. like the willing slave. Yep. Just gross. Um, while they were dating, Paul was also attacking girls um, as the Scarborough rapist with Carla's knowledge and approval.
1: Wonderful.
0: Yeah. And I think she later attempted to claim that she didn't know about it at first and one day just like asked him like are you a scarborough rapist he was like yeah so i don't know if that's true or not i just read that somewhere but okay whatever it was she knew um but their relationship was going strong and eventually paul and carla became engaged Mm uh at this time carla reported to a friend how quote paul and i are happier than ever He's being so great, so romantic, but that's typical of my honey. Okay. However, um, Paul was actually kind of getting bored of their relationship. Alright. Uh, they were three years in and at this point, and he complained to Carla that, you know, she wasn't a virgin when they met. And oh that was my just God. so disappointing to okay. him. Okay. Okay. In fact, he no. had his eye on someone else. No.
1: No. All right. <laughs>
0: Carla's little sister.
1: Oh my God.
0: Fifteen year old. Oh my God! Tammy Homolka.
1: Oh my God. And the thing is, I know the story, but just oh it's my just
0: ugh. So Carla decided to give Paul Tammy's virginity.
1: Oh my god.
0: As a Christmas present.
1: It's so uh, gross. I'm I, like I, this I, like nervous laughter. i am not it,
0: It's just I d can't even i I'm fathom. To like to
1: take, like, three showers now.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah this is just very gross very gross so um on december 23rd 1990 um i don't know if at this point they were technically engaged yet but i i think they they were if they weren't yet they would be soon mm-hmm. uh so the Hamulka family was hosting a christmas party um at their house and carla and paul attended oh god i know what's coming yeah Carla uh, spiked her sister's drink with animal anesthetics that she'd stolen from work. Uh, Then, later that night, when everyone was asleep, Carla held a halothane-soaked cloth to Tammy's mouth while Paul... They took her in the basement, I think, while Paul raped her. Okay. Um, And actually, they kind of... Okay. ...took turns. Okay. And Carla videotaped it. Okay. Um, However... Tammy started, like, choking up vomit, and the couple panicked. So they hid all the evidence, and they called an ambulance. Um, but Tammy never regained consciousness and was pronounced dead at the hospital. Oh, my God. Uh, despite Again, this is eight minutes. It's just disgusting. Uh, despite the fact that there, were, there was a mysterious chemical burn on Tammy's face, the death was ruled an accident as a result of choking on vomit and alcohol poisoning.
1: So, did the parents get in trouble because they thought that they were. F-
0: I do not know. I think it was just like a. I, I, so, let me just.
1: So, at this point, he's already been questioned a couple times for other things. Mm-hmm. And then this girl dies. And they're just like, ah, eh, coincidence.
0: Yep. I mean, they might okay. not have, like. It's, yeah, no. Connected Paul to this at the at the time.
1: Well, I'm assuming when that something like that happens, they're gonna, especially if it's alcohol poisoning, it's like, how did it happen? Like, who, did, yeah, what I, did, I who was giving her alcohol? Like, how much did she drink? This was a Christmas party, understood, but still.
0: I don't know. Maybe I don't know. 1990 in no, Ontario was some time uh, something different. Um, but they also did not detect the drugs in Tammy's system, so it was just determined to be an accident. Okay. Um, so, Tammy's murder only increased Paul and Carla's appetite for despair. Uh, in 1991, uh, Carla lured a teenager she befriended at work to the home that she now lived at with Paul. Um, and Paul had been complaining again, saying that Tammy's death was Carla's fault, and now he didn't have her around to, oh, quote, enjoy sexually. So, um, so, Carla was, like, great you know what how can i help you and she set her sights on uh jane doe uh who we don't know the name of and this jane doe um like i said she knew her from work and she idolized her
1: that whole saying all i can think of is (laughs) he's a friend from work. exactly so i have to go to my happy place while i hear all this stuff so keep going
0: you might want to stay there because it doesn't get better Um, so this Jane Doe idolized her, thought she was beautiful and like really nice and all that. So Carla, uh, invited her to dinner and the couple then drugged the girl, abused her and videotaped it. Um, but Jane Doe survived and she woke up sick and sore, but with no memory of what had happened. Uh, so she, they let her go. Uh huh. Yeah. And I think the only reason they know about this is because of the videotapes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so Paul and Carla got married on June 29th, nineteen ninety one, A.K.A. my birthday. All right, let's keep going. Which means they really had to ruin that too, huh? Uh, just I don't. Um, know. on the same day, a couple canoeing on Lake Gibson discovered concrete blocks containing human body parts in the water. Uh, the remains were those of fourteen-year-old Leslie Mahaffey. Uh, who'd disappeared on June 15th. Um, like two weeks earlier? Yes. She'd been kidnapped and held for several days by the couple and then tortured throughout and then, I guess, killed. And they were
1: bones? The body was still, I mean...
0: Well, it was in concrete. I don't know how exactly okay. well, that worked. All right.
1: All right.
0: Um, but I don't know how long they'd been in the river before they were found. Or lake or whatever. Yeah, lake. Um, so about a year then passed before anything else happened. Um, But then on April 16th, 1992, Carla and Paul grabbed 15-year-old Kristen French, uh, torturing and then killing her. Uh, They, quote, left her body battered and her hair partially shaved in a ditch along a rural road. Oh, my God. Yeah. Um, Luckily, though, police soon realized that the murders of Leslie and Kristen were related. Um, and were able to get a composite sketch of Paul from some witnesses. Okay, which good. Which is really good. Uh, and then once the sketch was released, a lot of tips were called in about Paul. Okay. Um, some of the calls came from coworkers and friends who would describe Paul's, quote, disturbing penchant for violence. Okay. Uh, in January of 1993, Carla left Paul uh, after he beat her viciously with a flashlight. Um, And soon after, police ended up getting a DNA sample from him. I don't Mm -hmm. know exactly how, uh, but that identified him as a Scarborough rapist. Okay. Uh, So the police put Paul under surveillance and eventually arrested him in February of
2: 1993.
0: Okay. Um, As soon as Paul was arrested, Carla got a lawyer. All right. uh, And she started seeking a plea bargain in exchange for testifying against her husband. Mm Mm-hmm. So she claimed that Paul told her about raping at least thirty women, um, and Canada's government agreed to issue Carla a twelve-year sentence for manslaughter in exchange for cooperation.
2: Okay.
0: Um, especially because she told them that she was one of Paul's victims as well.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: But then, when they got a hold of the tapes, the videotapes, right? They found out that actually she was involved, very involved yep. with all of this, and yeah. not a victim at all. Yeah. Um, and so they were like whoops but I, I they couldn't change it i guess now um so they agreed to give her 12 12 years
1: i, I don't understand how oh, oh i don't know okay
0: but um paul was found guilty on all charges uh and sent to prison for the rape murder and kidnapping of two teenage girls um, although it is believed that he had more victims uh he was given life with i believe the possibility of parole um because in 2018 after 25 years in prison his application for parole was denied
1: but what about the other rapes he th- didn't any sentencing for that
0: he might have um i th- i think i don't know if they were just like we're going to we can get him on this so like All right. i don't know exactly how okay. that worked um, but anyway he tried to get parole in 2018 but after like 30 minutes of deliberating they were like no
1: i, I don't know how he'll ever see the, l- the light of day but go yeah.
0: ahead uh, in court, Paul admitted that he, quote, hadn't felt anything for his victims at the time of the crimes. Um, so that's just great. Uh, and then Carla divorced Paul in 1994 mm-hmm. and was released from prison in 2005. Yeah. Uh, while she was in prison, she actually graduated college with a degree in psychology uh, and had a fling with a fellow inmate named Linda Verano. Um, and Linda was serving time for some armed robberies. And when released, actually reoffended, So that, um, like...
1: She'd go back to see, be with her? Yeah. Okay.
0: Also, I read that Linda identified as a man and was going to undergo sex reassignment surgery. But I couldn't find, like, if he changed his name or what was going on with that. I don't know. It was like a whole thing. And I, I just, I don't know. Um, but... Whatever. That was kinda of like a brief fling they had in prison. Mm-hmm. Uh so Carla's release was very controversial. Yeah. Obviously. Um, and so because of that, she was expected to adhere to very strict rules. So, um, she had to tell police her home address, her work address, and with whom she was living. She had to notify police whenever any of that changed. Uh, she had to notify police to any change of her name. Um, If she planned to be away from her home for more than 48 hours, she had to give 72 hours notice. Okay. She couldn't contact Paul. She couldn't contact the families of the victims or any violent criminals or anything. She wasn't allowed to be with, I guess, alone, uh, anyone under 16. Okay. She couldn't take any drugs besides prescription medicine. She was required to go to therapy, and she was required to give police a DNA sample. Okay. Then... On November thirtieth, two thousand five, all of those restrictions were lifted because some judge thought that uh, they there wasn't an evidence to like have that happen, like have those restrictions be in place. So she
1: wasn't considered a. There was nothing threat, there. I guess. Well, no, because she should like a sex offender.
0: Yeah, I I don't. Maybe she was given that status, but like oh all of those things were lifted, and I mean people were livid at that. They were like... I mean, she fell into this relationship with Paul Bernardo and, like, did all of this stuff. So who says she can't do that again? You know? Right. Um, But whatever. That was lifted. Uh, and then since then, she's remarried um, and she has three children now. So that's uh, sort of her life. And Paul's probably never getting out of but jail. But
1: people don't know who she is, right? Like, they never...
0: Um, I don't know if she... Changed her name. Like, she has like a bunch of different names on Wikipedia.
1: Oh, I thought she changed her name. I thought she like disappeared and no one.
0: Mm, I mean, so, I don't think anyone would know where she is because I feel like. She, she would hasn't be... like
1: done anything, like wrote books, did press, mm, did nothing after no, that, right? I don't think so. See, I thought she just kind of like disappeared and people don't know where she is. I mean, I that know, maybe... might have
0: happened. I, I. All I know is that she's married with three kids and I don't know anything else besides that. So she could have just like gone after that but oh god. yeah okay. i mean i guess it's good that she's staying out of yeah because i don't want to hear anything else about her but that is the story of the ken and barbie killers very gross it's just very oh, awful. That's just awful that's awful
1: yeah <laughs> oh i don't want to say well done but it was well done but i don't <laughs> oh my god that's I'm just okay. angry I get what you now mean. just angry all right then well thank you <laughs> you're welcome Okay, so I am doing paranormal. All right. Yeah, and I kind of cheated this week because I had to ask you if you knew about the story or not.
0: Oh, you actually did it. Did. Yay! I had
1: a couple of other stories, but they just fizzled out. And the one in New York started reading more about it, and it just was like crap.
0: It's harder to do paranormal stories. Yeah,
1: and time was cutting running out because it's Monday It was this morning. <laughs> when I was doing it. like I got to write something because we got to record later this evening. Um, so. As Emma knows, I'm doing the Sally House. Woo. Um, and I, I, I guess, like I said, like you said too, it's it's so so hard to find something ghostly or paranormal and fill in a bunch of time. Yeah, um, they're always and, so short. Yeah, and I'm not. At first, I was like, oh, I think I'm. Gonna, this could be like just phoned in because there wasn't a lot of articles either. They were all just saying that it was just like one written over and over, mm-hmm. just kind of cut and paste kind of thing. Um, but let me just say, I'll just let me say my sources first. I did. The Only in Your State is where I started Mm -hmm. to go down the path. And then um, there was uh, Rare.us had a a story. Then there was a bunch of others that were the same story. And then there is, of course, the site itself, the Sally House.
0: I've not been there.
1: And I think that's where BuzzFeed did a lot of their research. Because as I was reading a bunch of it, it kind of went through all that. Mm -hmm. Um, But um, right to the story. (laughs) (laughs) Let me say this. Um, This has to be said. And I say it without hyperbole. This is the scariest and most haunted house in the United <laughs> States of America. <laughs> um, but I will say this. So, as I did read those things, there were just huge gaps in this happened, and this happened. And the next thing you know, you're fast forwarding three years. And I was like, what's up? So, this go this is going to be our ghost story from my point of view. So I'm filling in these gaps. Um, okay. And there's different accounts on some of the timeline events, even just the beginning, which was kind of odd. Um, even the the main family that, that started this whole thing, there's discrepancies in articles and hmm. and interviews that they had. And it, so again, it's just crazy. So historical fiction. <laughs> is it's supposed to be based on a true story? I, I don't know what to tell you, um, but. This is straight from the Sally House website, okay? These are all the experts that have visited or spent the night or produced a TV show or a movie mm-hmm. <laughs> about it. So Sightings, the TV show, was the first to do okay. a story about it. And then the world-renowned psychic, Peter James, whom I think you do know. I think you've seen. Uh, we've seen him in, if you saw I'm him, you'd sure. be like, oh, yeah, okay, okay. glasses. Sure. Okay. Maybe. Um, (laughs) Travel Channels, Most Haunted, did their own television documentary about it. Mm -hmm. Paramount made a made-for-TV called The Heartland (laughs) Ghost. Um, It takes place in Kansas. uh, Atchison, Kansas, I think. Huh. Um, Discoveries, there's a thing called A Haunting. They did A Haunting story about this. (laughs) Okay. Biography, My Ghost Story. Um, Crazy amount of local TV stations. Um,
0: You're telling me that Zach Bagans didn't do this?
1: Travel channel. Like I said, your favorite, BuzzFeed. Buzzfeed Um, So, there was, though, in a different site, I think that might have been the rare.us, they had a timeline of all the people that were kind of involved in the house before this family moved in. Mm -hmm. So, the original owners and then all these other things. So, it was crazy on how much detail they had. And they wow. followed the families as they, or parts of the family as they, as they left the house. So mm-hmm. there were four recorded deaths in the house, all for natural causes. Um, the original family, uh, the name was the Finneys. They were from Ireland. And um, they, I think the house goes back to the 1850s. So okay. um, pre-Civil War. Um, then... Through ma- marriage, there was another family, the Barnes family, that was kind of connected. So, for over a hundred, maybe less than a hundred years, but for a long period of time, a few decades, I guess I would say that Finney lived there, Barnes lived there, a combination. If there was a bigger family, I mean, it, th- so it was in the ha- it was in the family, the home.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, one of the Barnes women would. Be later diagnosed as having an unsound mind and was uh, then sent to a, a psychiatric hospital. Um. But she would be released later, and then they moved to I think Kansas City. And um, afterwards, after being released, her six-year-old son would be found dead <gasps> in bed no. um, due to I don't know if it was carbon monoxide poisoning or some type of gas poisoning, she was in the bed with him asleep as well. She recovered. Oh, so the rumor God. was that she was trying to kill them. Like, the rest of the family was sleeping upstairs. It was a really, really weird thing. Mm. Um, and then by the late 1890s, early 1900s, they started renting the property to people. Mm-hmm. So, 1850, you know, 1890. Fast forward to 1992. okay, oh, Okay. So, at this time, a family, by uh, the their, their names Pickmans, Tony and Deborah, mm-hmm. are mo- moving into the home, renting it. Okay, no, no talk of paranormal activity has ever been spoken before they move in. Wow. All right. Okay. And they were pregnant at the time. I mean, she was really close to giving birth, mm-hmm. and um, she went to a son, Taylor. A, Within, I don't know, weeks maybe? I don't know, month maybe? Okay. And um, like I said, they were the first to go public about any weirdness. And so they were setting up a house for Taylor. So they were going to have, they had the nursery built and all these other things. Okay. And almost within the first week of living there, um, odd things started happening specifically in the nursery. Um, Nothing like insane, but Mm -hmm. almost, and this is what is kind of interesting. Just the crib was just slightly moved, like not Ooh. enough that you would be like, "That's weird." It's not, and I don't know if it was just like it was off at a weird angle or if it wasn't a flush against something. So of course they would. It
0: could be like if it was a carpet, right? There could be like marks where it's like just slightly off. Yeah,
1: but they, but they enough that you know they noticed. They were like, "Oh, what? But how is like, this?" Yeah. And what was odd about it was it almost feel felt like that something had climbed up oh my, onto no. the crib and like peered over and then maybe jumped off and when it jumped off, it, it slightly Eww. moved, that kind of thing. I hate that yeah. so
0: much. So It's time to move. That's it. That's it.
1: <laughs> and what was interesting is that they did hear noises in the house when they first moved in, like, you know, a thud or this and that. Never it's just the house
2: settling.
1: Exactly. Like, like, you know, new house, you know, we don't know anything about the home. Like, who, it's just, you know, your mind plays tricks and that kind right. of things. So, they just didn't think anything and put two to two together. At least at the time that we heard a thud, maybe that it, you know, was it coming from the nursery? I don't know that kind of thing. All right, so they weren't, you know, let's leave, <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. Um, so they just kind of dealt with it, and then things started to happen now more often, more um, like almost a daily routine. Mm. now the furniture would be moved a lot more prominently.
0: Did they check inside the walls?
1: <laughs> they <It> did not. <laughs> um, and it wasn't long that it it was almost as if it looked like a pattern of things being moved. So mostly in the nursery, again. And what they thought was it looked like something was searching for something, almost like, Ew. you know, I went to the crib, you know. now And the way I look at it is that there's no baby there. So maybe something is like... There's a nursery here. Where's the baby?
0: Oh, I hate that. I hate that. Don't seek out babies.
1: Now, this happens. They both know about. They both still not enough to be like, let's call somebody. Um, But Deborah goes into labor, right? Mm -hmm. And she gives birth to Taylor. I mean, I think they knew they were going to have a son and all this other stuff. So now, again, you wouldn't know this, but when you give birth and then, you you know, you're in the hospital for a couple of days and you come home. You don't just put the kid in the nursery. Like for the first, it depends on you on your well being and so like. But usually the baby's in the same room with you. Okay. In a bassinet because the mom has to feed the baby. This and it's a bonding and all these other things. And so, of course, again the nursery is not being used. Baby sleeping with mom, mom and dad Mm -hmm. in a bassinet in the same room. So after the first night of being home with their son, nothing out of the ordinary happens, and as I said, most new parents, you know, you're, it's kind of scary. You're very anxious. You're like, holy crap, I'm now involved. I mean, I'm, I'm, this life is my, is my responsibility, right? So I have to, you know, every, you're on edge, everything changes. Right. And the other aspect of it is that you're exhilarated, but you're also exhausted. And the mom more than the, (laughs) the father, because, you know, the father can't feed the baby, you know, that kind of thing. So, you then go through like sleep deprivation. Your mind is a mess. So that's true. So your whole maybe. Yeah, so your head is not straight. Right. Well, Taylor, as most newborns are, have kind of odd sleeping patterns. <laughs> so and when you're not sleeping, you're crying. So yep. that causes more problems. Sounds about right. So I played
0: the Sims, I know.
1: <laughs> one evening, Deborah is comforting Taylor. When all of a sudden they, they're, you know, in the room, they hear a large screeching sound in the nursery. <laughs> so Tony gets up to go investigate and quickly realizes that the, crub, the, crub, <laughs> the crib had moved enough to block the door from him getting in. So he's trying to get Ooh. in the door, but he can't. That it's makes hitting. me
0: think it's probably not a carpet because <laughs> if there's a huge screeching Fair enough.
1: So he's, it's hitting the door. So he, um, you know, he's frantically trying to get in and and... and pushes the door finally oh open, gets into the room, and it's just empty. But then he looks, and it wasn't just his frantic getting in. It looked like there was this chaos in in the room. Whoa! It was as if everything in the bedding and everything was ripped out of the crib, <gasps> all, all over the floor. Oh, my
0: God. Again,
1: something looking for something, as if, where is this thing? Where's the baby? And it happened when the baby was crying. Oh, you need to move that. So, like I said, he's, he, meet, he searches the room, the house mm-hmm. finds nothing. He goes back to the nursery, puts everything back into order, right And as he's doing this and he's in the room, he doesn't feel like he's alone Ew. So he doesn't say anything to Deborah at the time. again, she's feeding she's the baby not like, enough on he, yeah plane. he's just not he's like, whatever, right Next day, later in the morning, Taylor's asleep, Tony tells Deborah. You know, what happened? She turns pale. And he's like, what? What's wrong? You know, and she says, well, last night when she was, she went into the rocking chair and she was like rocking back and forth feeding um, Taylor. She was just trying to keep her eyes open because she was so tired. And when she did that, you know, she had her eyes closed, she's rocking. And, you know, she sensed something in the room and thought it was Tony. Mm -hmm. So, of course, she starts talking to Tony And saying to him, you know, how happy she is, that, you know, that we're a family. When all of a sudden the chair, the rocking chair was pushed so hard forward (gasps) that she almost fell to the floor. Oh my God. And at that exact moment, um, when that happened, I should say, she was like jolted awake, right? Because she was like kind of sleeping and she just thought to herself, that was a dream. Mm -hmm. I almost fell forward while I was feeding my baby. Um, You know, that's what woke me up. So everything that happened, until she heard the story of tony cuz tony's like i wasn't in the room oh my god i was doing all these other things and this is weird and it, at this the this
0: is a great mother's day episode
1: <laughs> and at the exact moment that she they finish, she finishes the story they hear a laugh coming from the nursery no and then a stutter voice so tony runs up nothing there just taylor asleep yeah. So, the next couple of nights, pretty they uneventful.
0: Don't put the baby in the nursery?
1: No, they're still sleeping. Well, when, when taking a nap, the baby's in the nursery. Oh, okay. But at night, because you have to feed
0: okay, the babies
1: in the bassinet. It. So, um, next couple of nights, pretty uneventful. Pikmin's are just hoping that they were sleep deprived. And whatever's <laughs> going on, is just, you know, isn't as bad as they thought it would be. So, Tony now has to go back to work, right? <laughs> Deborah is thrown into the um, stay at home mom again. Responsible for this living being, mm-hmm. and as, as she's home, she would get different feelings as she walked from room to room, but not. malicious well, just like, I feel like there's somebody here, that kind of thing. And at one point, right, that she got to feeling that she's like, I, 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 we need to talk to previous owners, renters. So she talks to the the. I think the Finney still owned the house so she talked to whoever the landlord he's like i don't want to talk about nothing so um but the previous renters their names were the hubbards bobby and colleen uh they had rented i think a couple years before Mm -hmm. the pickmans had and they had a daughter heather who i think was six when they first moved in so i think eight when they left and i think she's now 10 or 11 or something like that by the time this is all going down um so Deborah's on the phone chatting with Colleen and just saying like, look, I just have, was there any weirdness yeah, <laughs> when you were like, living here? Right. You know, I don't want to sound crazy, but I'm just, just want to ask you. And, you know, she's like, yeah, no, I, I, nah, but hesitant in a way. So, she, so, um, you know, she's pushing maybe sounds, anything, just anything on the ordinary and, um, still, Colleen's not saying anything. So Deborah starts to really kind of press. Just says, like, look, any odd thing, you know, something that just may have come out of nowhere that you just laughed off or whatever. And that's when Colleen kind of paused, stopped, and just said, well, you know, yeah, I guess, you know, Heather did have some nightmares every once in a while. Mm It's randomly that kind of thing. But, you know, little kid, that happens, that kind of thing. So Debra's asking, well, how often? Were they really bad? Does Mm -hmm. she still have those nightmares? You know, um, and... Colleen's like, well, Heather's here. So they're like now talking on the phone together, all of them. And um, she puts Heather on. And Heather is still kind of hesitant, but she's like, I totally forgot about that. You know, I don't remember right. it that much, but yeah, no, you know, I had a few. And Deborah asks, like, well, what were they about? And she said, well, um, they're always about my friend. And, um, you know, we would be playing in the room. And as I was playing in the room, all of a sudden a shadow would fall from the ceiling mm. and then her friend would try to scream <gasps> and then nothing would come out of the, her mouth. It was oh almost like... God. And then all of a sudden, the she would just see her friend get pulled up into the <gasps> air and disappear either into the ceiling or through a wall.
0: That's terrifying. Exactly. For a six-year-old? Yeah. Oh my God. So,
1: of course, Heather then would watch this and then all of a sudden she'd feel something on the back of her neck no. and would, you know try to grab her I hate and that. then she would wake up screaming but you know uh, that was the nightmare and so Deborah's like well was that just one she's like no that was that was the nightmare like i had that over and over and over again
0: oh my god so
1: now heather is kind of freaked out cuz she's reliving some of this so Colleen kind of jumps in and just said oh yeah this was a ma- it was an imaginary friend of heather's this and that And, um, you know, we never thought anything about it. Everybody has an imaginary friend. All kids kind of have this thing. It's just one of those things. Um, So, of course, Deborah's asking, well, do you know her friend's name? You know, what was it? And uh, (laughs) there was a pause. And uh, Heather and Colleen... Basically, are kind of murmuring on the side of the phone, but Heather says I, I, she never told me her name.
0: Ew, 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 ew. So then Colleen—that's how you know it's not imaginary. <laughs> if your imaginary friend doesn't have a name,
1: so Colleen grabs the phone. So like, you know, I think we're done. I, I, I we're bringing up old wounds, things like that, and uh, and she thought, and Deborah thought that was funny to hear. Well, funny odd to hear the word wounds, um, and the call just kind of was ended abruptly with Colleen saying, "Well, goodbye and good luck." <laughs>
2: oh my. God.
1: So when Tony gets home, Deborah fills her in about this conversation that she had and all this stuff, and Tony's just like, "Okay, this is just not right." So that night, Tony is downstairs, right? Um, Deborah and uh, Taylor are upstairs going to bed, or what? Feeding? I don't know whatever. And he's watching whatever the game was that night. So it's going on late. Game finishes. And, you know, he grabs a glass of water. He's coming upstairs. And as he's going upstairs, he notices that the light's on in the nursery. Oh, boy. So he goes to enter the nursery. And as he kind of opens the door quietly, he sees in the rocking chair a little girl. No. Rocking back and forth, just reading a book. He drops his glass. And the girl turns over towards him. Ew. Her head over like there. Looks right at him. Okay. Mm-hmm. she smiles and then disappears <gasps>
2: ew, ew, ew,
0: ew, ew. okay now that's when you move out
1: tony runs into the uh room where to Deb, to the bedroom where deborah is and like shakes her awake mm-hmm. and in the commotion of course taylor wakes up in the bassinet he's now screaming you know and it's right. going to a crescendo right Tony's trying to explain that I just saw this little girl in the nursery. Deborah's like trying to wash away this fog of sleep, you know, like mm-hmm. focusing on what her husband's saying. You know, again, Taylor's crying, louder and louder and louder. Suddenly, the bedroom door slams shut so like with such force that Tony jumps back from Deborah. <gasps> no one sleeps the rest of the night.
2: Oh my god.
0: You need to leave that house.
1: The next day, they decide. Maybe we should call some experts.
0: Oh my God. So they
1: contact the local paranormal group for the right. <laughs> in their area. And that group hears a the story. They contact world renowned Peter James. And he's like, Yeah, sure. This sounds like something I should go check out. Um, so they all meet at the home. All right. Mm-hmm. And immediately upon entering the home, Peter senses the presence of a child. Mm hmm. And he tries to communicate with the child, and at some point, he gets the child to give, you know, its name. And the child, of course, is a girl, and her name is Sally. Sally. Yeah. So Peter feels at ease talking to her, you know, having a you conversation. Shouldn't. And says, you know, she she's a playful spirit. There's no, I don't sense any um, maliciousness here at all. Um, and he told the Pikmins that, look, I don't think there's any threat here. Um, But let's get a local team to start researching the house. Let's try to figure out who she is and, you know, understand more about what's going on. Right. You know, maybe we could figure out more about the previous occupants. Of course, that doesn't really put the Pikmins at any ease. (laughs) But there is a relief that they're not crazy. Like, you know, others sense this thing. So they return home and, you know, Tony contacts the Hubbards again and basically just asks, like, look... Not trying to cause any problems, I know you know. I'm trying to bring up old wounds or anything stuff. Like but could you ask Heather to describe her imaginary friend?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Hubbard's are hesitant, but at some point, you know, they don't want to again open up this Pandora's box. But they agree, and at some, you know, they they talk to Heather and then they talk to Tony and tell Tony the description, right? And Tony's just like, that is exactly <gasps> the girl I saw in the rocking chair.
0: Oh my god!
1: So all that happens, I think, pretty quickly, right? Um, So they think that maybe if they give toys to the girl, to Sally, that she'll be happy, this and that. Well, it wasn't long after Peter James had visited that things take a turn for the worse. Yeah, because
0: she's not nice.
1: So now toys are being moved around, even though they're trying to give it to her. One time, all the toys in the nursery were arranged in a circle Mm. facing inward as they were looking at something. And, of course, everybody thought it was some type of satanic thing, but, you know, they were in a circle. But they were in a circle. Then there were mysterious burns or small fires breaking out all over the house. Oh, my God. Candles being lit, curtains being singed, things like that.
0: Oh, my gosh. She's so mischievous. Wow. She's trying to burn the house down.
1: And, oddly, it only happened around Tony, not Taylor or Deborah. Okay, It was always whenever... Tony seemed to be around that something would singe, I guess. Mm. So one evening, Tony again is downstairs watching some game and it ends. And all of a sudden he hears noises in the nursery again. Oh my God. This time he's like, I'm confronting Sally. Like, you know, we're going to be friends here. You know, we're <laughs> going to have to figure out how to live together. Okay. He opens the door slowly and there's Sally in the rocking chair again. Mm-hmm. All right. He gathers the courage as much as he can. <laughs> And he says, hi, Sally. I'm Tony. Welcome to our house. No! As those last words came out of his mouth, she turns to look at him, puts her finger to her mouth, as a signal to be quiet, and then starts nodding her head side to side, you know, back and forth.
2: Oh, you don't say
1: that, no. Then she stops moving, like almost statuesque. And takes her hands and covers her face.
0: Ew, that is the most disturbing thing ever.
1: At that moment, Toadie felt a force from behind (gasps) and something just scratching his back. He was then thrown forward to the floor and as he tried to get up, the nursery door slammed. (gasps) And then he starts to turn to go look back where Sally was and the next thing he sees is a shadow come down and pull Sally right back up into (laughs) the ceiling. He gets up. Grabs Deborah, they get Taylor, and they leave the house.
2: Oh, good.
1: They immediately contact Peter James, the local folks, tell them what happens, (laughs) right? They return. This time, James feels completely something different in the house.
0: Yeah, I bet he does.
1: Different parts of the house also have different feelings themselves. But what concerns him the most is he doesn't feel the child anymore. Uh, Anywhere.
0: That's because she's a demon.
1: They move out. Good. The home gets rented after the Pickmans, right? No reports, no disturbances, nothing. However, there there was it was never told if any other families moved in, if it was just adults. Mm-hmm. So now 10 years go by.
0: 10 years?
1: The Pickmans return. Why? With Peter James and a couple other mediums and all these, th- and I think they have equipment and all this other stuff. It was during this investigation that they learned the story of Sally. Ooh. The story is that one of the Finneys was the cause of this haunting. It was a doctor, either Cece or Charlie Finney, mm-hmm. was having an affair with one of the servants, an African-American woman. It's believed that in the affair they had um, a baby that they named Sally. And they right. also believe that the woman's name was also Sally, the okay. African-American woman's name. When she was about six or seven, the daughter, she became ill, and it was determined that she had appendicitis and that she needed immediate surgery. Finney, however, didn't want anyone to know about Sally, so he refused to take her to the hospital, and she died. The mother then attacked Finney, Mm -hmm. and then she was killed. Finney then moved away, just abandoned the house, and it's believed that those spirits are still in the house. Yikes. It's believed that the mother is still grieving her child and she's the violent entity. Oh. But the child herself is a happy ghost that just wants to play with any children that move in.
0: Really? But why would she yank her child up?
1: Well, it's believed she's protecting her child from
0: anyone. Ooh. They think that
1: it was attacking um, Tony because it was the male Finny. you know, just whatever impressions oh, the yes. are there. It is believed, though never been proven, that the bodies are buried somewhere in the basement. Ooh. And during this investigation later, this 10-year thing, Tony was attacked again. He was thrown to the floor, oh my God. almost pinned down, couldn't get up. James and his wife had to recite some something, some scripture to mm-hmm. get him out. Um, but again, Deborah, nothing ever happened to her while she was there. Of course, word got out about the hauntings and param- paranormal investigators from all over the globe descended to the home. Of course. Today, the home is a haunted venture where folks can pay to stay the night and to witness these ghosts. Ooh. I am not sure if the Pickmans are involved in in this in the, money, the part. money thing, but it seems more than a coincidence that all of this came out after they they, d- s- they did this thing years later, but that's that ha- that's the story. And again, like I said, I filled in all the stuff about the cribs and this and that, just because I was like,
0: it needs. He, f-
1: he got scratched. I was like, oh. great. So yeah, so there's your story. Wow. So, I thought it
0: was more demonic than it than.
1: Well, I think again huh. the the main thing is just him being like scratched this and that. You know, I they, they believe there's two entities in the in the house, not one.
0: Yikes!
1: So yeah, so there you go.
0: That is creepy. Yeah, yeah. So very creepy. Hey, <laughs> right.
1: fun facts? Yes. Let's hear. Them.
0: All right. So I forget which website I got this from, but it was like 150 facts about literature or something. Okay. Um. So number one, it's like fun facts about like famous authors and stuff. I don't know. Fair enough. So number one. Uh, the obscure German poet Gottlob Willem uh, Wilhelm Berman uh, is better known today for his intense hatred of the letter R in his actual poetry. Oh, then his actual poetry. Uh, he he <laughs> okay. hated the letter R so much that he refused to use it in his poetic work and in daily conversation. <laughs> oh, my God. Can you imagine just like editing your sentences in your head before you say them?
1: Louise (laughs) Boyan. Stop. (laughs) (laughs) Is there a Roderick? (laughs) Sorry. Go ahead.
0: (laughs) Number two. (laughs) 19th century French short story writer Guy de Maupassant was one of the many Parisian intellectuals who hated the Eiffel Tower.
1: That's a lot of hate in this in your facts today yes
0: yeah the last one is not hatred okay uh so he hated it so much that he would eat lunch at the towers restaurant inside the Towers restaurant so that he didn't have to look at the towers profile oh my god <laughs> <laughs> okay and the last one uh lord byron uh-huh. Romantic legend. It describes him. Oh my god! Uh, always traveled with his dozens of animals. Uh, just a few of the pets that made it from Byron's English estate to Venice include ten horses, mm-hmm. three monkeys, three peacocks, eight dogs, five cats, one crane, one falcon, one eagle, and one crow.
1: So he was the first Joe exotic. Sorry, sorry. Just... <laughs> <Stop>. <laughs> oh my god! Alrighty,
0: that's all I had to say for that fun fact. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'll be
2: using Lord that. Lord was... exotic? I don't know what you want to it. <laughs> Lord <laughs> exotic.
1: <laughs> think about it, though. I mean, he was kind Lord. of as crazy if you think about his little. Uh, his uh, extramarital... Actually, I don't even know. Was he married? No, oh, no, he was. Extramarital affairs and his... Lord I mean exotic. All right. Oh well, anyway, God. go ahead.
0: If you want to send in your own fun facts.
1: I think those were the for a win this week. That was good.
0: Those were fun. I, I think I'm definitely going to use that website again. If you can find it. It's on my other... Comu- it's on, like, Mom's computer, okay. so right. I have it. Um, So... Uh, You can send in your own fun facts to our Gmail, which is everythinginpodcast at gmail.com. You can also submit those to our website, which is everythingpodcast.weebly.com. Check those out. Very fun. You know, if you have suggestions or stories that you've experienced, uh, send those there as well. And they might make it on the podcast.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, We are on social media. Our Instagram is at everythinginpodcast. Our Twitter is at Between underscore podcast, and we have a Facebook group and page, both by the name of Everything in Between Podcast. So check those out. We post when new episodes come out, possibly more giveaways if that ever happens, um, and of course, pictures from you know our episodes,
1: yeah. know, fun stuff like maybe that. We'll have some pictures because we're going we're to be quarantining ourselves in Maine for a few days because we have a cord of wood coming. So maybe we'll have some pictures of you stacking a cord of wood.
0: I'll be upstairs you know you'll be pretending i don't exist like harry potter
1: because again i'm the old man
0: yes it's a man's job i'm a woman so oh, okay. i don't actually all right. do all of all that right. i let's um, get to the
1: spotify list because you'll I'm be listening just... to it while you stack <laughs> your cord of wood let's go
0: anyway we pick songs for uh our uh episodes which are on our spotify um which are the uh, our playlist on spotify which is the soundtrack in between and if you are on a platform that allows you to do so please 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 rate review and subscribe it's very helpful um and just you know gets us more known that kind of stuff um and of course thank you very very much uh jennifer hamilton for suggesting the ken and barbie killers uh for this episode so yeah i think
1: yeah thanks Thank you. Yeah,
0: thanks. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it was depressing, but it was interesting. It was a good story. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, So thank you very much. And I think that's all we have for this week. Yeah. So I guess.
1: Till next week and when we see that cord of wood and see if Emma can still move her arms afterwards. Mm. Okay. Yeah. All right, next week. Bye. Bye.